Praise God. Well, we've been talking about uh, what I kind of called the Lord's Prayer of the Old Testament, which is what scripture? Second Chronicles 7, 14. That's right. It's, if my people who are called by my name will what? Humble, Humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. And so a couple or three weeks ago, we talked about uh, how that's an if-then statement. If my people, then I will forgive. And so we want to get to the then part, right? That's the promise of, that God will forgive sin and heal our land. But there's a requirement. There's an if. Uh, but it's covenant language. If you will, then I will. God's love, we said, is, is very important to reiterate that. His love is unconditional, but His promises are conditional. And so, won't go back over that, but uh, part two, last week we talked about if my people call by my name, right? And we said the church is, we are, say we are, we are. My, people. my people, right? We are the people of God. We're, we're His possession, my people, and we are His representatives in the earth, called by His name. So we're owned by Him and we represent Him. We come in His name in the earth. And as God's people, we said two things. We're the only ones who have the right to call upon Him in prayer to change things in the earth. Joe, average guy in the earth realm, God will hear his prayer. God is merciful and compassionate. And especially when someone is turning their heart to Christ, God hears that. But as far as regular petition and in faith to see change brought, only God's people called by His name, only the church in this age have the right to call upon Him to bring change into the earth. And so because of that, the flip side is we're the only ones who also have the responsibility to call upon Him in prayer. It's our job. It's our responsibility. The expectation is on us, right, to pray. So tonight we're going to move on and talk about the humble themselves and pray. If my people called by my name will humble themselves and pray. So let's start with humble themselves. We have to humble ourselves before God in order to be able to call on Him in prayer. Do you notice that we live in a world that doesn't do humble very good? You notice that? Uh, we tend to be the center of our own universe, mostly aware of our own opinions. Is that true? Our own needs, our own desires. Uh, people are more prone, I think, to making demands than requests. I even have to tell my dog, Sandy, that. She comes, I have this saying, I know, she, I say it to her like she understands it. I know she doesn't, but she'll come and be just pestering me, just in my face. She's a very polite dog. Those of you that met Sandy, she, isn't she a sweetheart? She really is. She's very sweet, and she's just real calm. But when it's dinner time, or within an hour, she'll come up behind me. She started coming up when I'm, I lay down, take a nap in my recliner, and she comes up behind me. And jumps up on, puts her paws on the, the back of the thing and starts yapping at me. So I have this saying, I say, Sandy, I said, we take requests, we don't take demands. And it hasn't changed anything in her. But I think, I think people are like that. <laughs> I think people are like that. It's like, we, you know, if you follow people in a convenience store cashier line or in a, a drive through at a restaurant, you know, people order things more like they're demanding than like they're really politely requesting. Not always. 
And, and I hope even for me, I hope at least it's not always, I hope I don't do that. But I know there's sometimes I feel like I do that. I get irritated. I want something. They don't seem to be doing the way I want. And I, I feel like I'm more demanding something than requesting something. And that's not really very humble. But when we come before God, we have to humble ourselves. We have to humble ourselves. We, we don't come before Him on our own merits, first of all, do we? Titus 3.5 said, It's not through works of righteousness that we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us and washed us with regeneration, the washing of the Holy Ghost. It says in Ephesians 2, The faith it takes to get saved. It's by grace we're saved, but even the faith it takes, we don't generate. It comes from God. So we didn't get here. We don't come to the presence of God on our own merits. We didn't come in here tonight and begin to worship and bring our righteousness and our merit before God and then sense His presence because He, he deemed us worthy of our own merit. He saw us in Christ Jesus and allowed us to approach Him by His grace. We humble ourselves before Him. It's only by His grace that we're able to come into His presence. And oh, by the way, we're approaching the God that made everything. He created everything everywhere. It's not like we're just coming through the drive through line and ordering something from God when we pray, right? And so we should be polite to Him. We're coming before the Creator of everything. Does that ever blow your mind? I remember it did when I first got saved. I pray it still blows my mind every day that I'm talking to God. And, and He's talking to me. I don't know how He has time for the rest of you. <laughs> he created everything. In order to pray, we have to have a right estimation of our place, and we have to have a right estimation of His place. Does that make sense? We acknowledge that we are low and that He is high. You, you can even see that in the Lord's Prayer, the way Jesus taught His disciples to pray. Our Father. Father is a familiar term, but it's not, a, you know, hey, Daddy-o. It's not a, nobody says Daddy-o anymore. That's, wow. Yeah. Gilbert recognized that, but just me and him are the only ones. Yeah, Father, it's a familiar term, but it's a formal term. It's a respectful term. Let's say that, not formal. Let's say it's a term of respect. Our Father, oh, by the way, who's in heaven? Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done. Before we even get to our request, that's a humbling of ourselves to recognize who it is we're talking to and what it is that we're really here for. I'm, I'm really not here to get what I want because I'm low. He is high. Really what I want is for him to get what he wants. Even if I came in and I forgot that because I have an urgent request, you know, a top priority one kind of a situation. Once I get there, if I remember the way Jesus taught us to pray, it's like, oh yeah, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done. Before I even get to my request, it's like, I just want to see you get your way in everything. Because you are high and I am low. We humble ourselves and pray. James chapter 4, verses 6 through 10. James said, therefore it says, God opposes the proud. He's quoting Old Testament scripture. God opposes the proud, but gives what to the humble? Grace. Gives grace. What, what do we need when we come to pray? Man, we need the grace of God, right? Hebrews 4.16 talks about the throne of grace that we can approach because of Jesus, our high priest, to obtain mercy and to find grace to help in time of need. He opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And then he says, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will do what? He'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. 
I love those powerful encouragement scriptures like that. Have you prophesied that to anybody? Hey, be wretched and mourn and weep tonight. Woo! Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Right? And what does he say? Cleanse your hand, purify your hearts, be wretched, mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will exalt you. In other words, all of those things that you would want for yourself, joy and laughter and happiness, it's like don't go get that for yourself. Empty yourself of that. In contrast, consider yourself to be wretched. It's the same thing as like all of our righteousness is as filthy rags kind of thing. We have to acknowledge that. It's like I'm just, I'm nothing. I'm low, He's high. That same kind of idea, if that makes sense. Humble yourselves before the Lord. You humble yourself and then He will exalt you in due time. He will raise you up. He will be the one who provides you joy. You don't go get your own. Humble yourself before the Lord. Just mourn before Him over your own condition and the condition of others as we're talking about prayer and intercession. 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7 says basically the same thing, short version. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him, just like Philippians 4 talks about, right? Be anxious for nothing, Paul said. Paul and Peter agree. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let requests be made known. So Peter says, casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. All right, so we humble ourselves before God as we come before Him uh, to pray. And then secondly, as we pray, we also humble ourselves in our attitudes towards others. Right? If we're going to pray for others, we don't do it from a, a point of condescension and haughtiness, and I'm high and you're low. It's just not biblical. In Luke 18, verses 9 through 14, let me read this to you. You can look it up if you want, but Luke 18, verses 9 through 14. Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous, and treated others with contempt. So even before Jesus tells the parable, it's set up in a way that probably the guys that we're treating with contempt don't wind up being the heroes of the story, right? We can guess, we can guess that much. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, so the, the Pharisee is the religious guy, right? He's the height of the height of religious perfection. And the tax collectors were hated because the Romans appointed Jews to collect taxes from their fellow countrymen and they let them collect whatever they want. Just give us the tax and then over that you charge whatever you want and we the Romans will enforce it. So they were hideous to their countrymen because they were cheating them out of their, out of their money. So you have a religious guy who should be a good guy and tax collector is supposed to be a bad guy. So the Pharisee standing by himself prayed like this. He said, God I thank you that I am not like other men. <laughs> it's a bad start. <laughs> Extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Oh, it just got worse. He's talking about somebody in particular. It's bad enough to be prideful and condescending in general. But when you boil it down to somebody else, it's like, oh, you're not going to get out of it. That's bad. And then he begins to, to list off his accomplishments. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector standing far off wouldn't even lift his eyes to heaven. But he beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. 
So, Brian, this would be being wretched and mourning, right? That would be an example of that. He's making of himself a wretched, mourning kind of a state instead of exalting himself. God be merciful to me, a sinner, the tax collector said. And Jesus said, I tell you this, the man that went down, this man rather, went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. And so first we humble ourselves, they're related. We humble ourselves before God, but then we also humble ourselves in our estimation of, of others. So remember that we're his people called by his name. My people called by my name. We're representing him. We're owned by him, but we're representing him. Who we are and how we are represents who God is and how he is. And so may we not be trying to represent God from a posture of pride or indifference or arrogance or condescension, even in our praying. It's one thing to be talking to people that way, but even in our prayer, because that's where it's real when it's just us and God. It's more real than when we're out talking to somebody and we know how we ought to act, right? But prayer is where it's real. And so other people might not know your heart, but in prayer, God knows your heart. So we humble ourselves before God and before man. Let me just say this. Anytime that we're going to truly be of help to someone else, it's never going to be from the place of haughtiness or up here. Thinking of myself being prideful, domineering or judging from above. It's always from below. Encouraging, supporting, undergirding. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 7. Paul said, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant or more important than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So this is in life, but certainly in prayer. Because that's where it starts. We're talking about witnessing to people, but first we pray. We're talking about wanting to see things happen in our city. And not first only, but first and foremost, we pray. We'll go out, but first we pray. And always first we pray. Amen? Amen. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, and this is what uh, Carol was talking about, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. And I don't have the rest of this typed out here, but he humbled himself to death, even the cruel death of the cross. And God gave him a name higher than every other name and exalted him uh, above, you know, name above every name, exalted him above everyone else. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and He'll exalt you in due time. So, humble yourself. Take yourself out of the seat of judgment and find yourself on your knees. Humble yourself and pray. I'm just going to summarize here real quick and we're going to pick this one back up next week. So, one thing to note about pray is this is kind of the central action command of the whole verse, right? If my people will, many important things, but pray is in there, right? That's kind of what it's, the rest of it's leading up to. It's really the only instruction to action in this passage. The other instructions are about humbling, later on about confessing sin or turning from wicked ways. Those are hard issues. Pray is really the only action that we're called to in this verse. In order to find God's promise of healing, this is what we're supposed to do is to pray. It doesn't say go and forgive me. All right, if I step on your toes, pull them back just a little bit. It doesn't say go and lobby politicians to do something. <laughs> It doesn't say to complain and rant on Facebook, right? If you want to go lobby, go do it. If you want to rant on Facebook, don't do it, (laughs) please. It doesn't say to go out and protest. 
if you want to do. Now it's real quiet. We'll get over it. It's going to be okay. We're going to move past it. It says that God's people are to humble themselves and what? None of those other lists of things. Pray. All right, so if you're going to take other action, all right, do that. But don't do it in the place of having prayed. First, foremost, always, again, pray. And if God says do those other things and you're convicted about it, then go do it. But don't go do these earthly, natural things in order to bring change in the earth realm. Can I, is it okay if I say that? No. Gilbert, you okay if I say that? Yes, Gilbert's okay. All right, I'm good then. <laughs> don't go in your own strength to try to bring change in the earth realm. That's right. If you pray and if God says, I'm commissioning you, and I would do this as other friends and voices in the uh, family of God, agree with you and say, you know what, I will cover you in this. I believe this is a right thing for you to go do. Go do it. But don't do it instead of. Yes. Don't do it as a political position. Don't do it as a, an angry response. That's usually how that stuff gets started. Yeah. All right. And I'm, I'm trying to be careful. I don't mean to minimize uh, saved, unsaved, anybody who is doing a protest or doing, uh, you know, lobbying politicians or speaking out about this or that or the other. All right. I bring no judgment on any of that. What I am telling us is that the Bible says, first, foremost, always, our course of bringing change into the earth realm, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. We pray. And in the midst of that, if God says do something else, then do it and do it in faith. All right? Amen. All right. Amen. And uh, just remember that as the people of God, we're the only ones who have a right to pray and also the responsibility to pray. I'm going to just give a list here as we're getting ready to close. Of uh, I've got about a dozen scriptures. It won't take long to read them. I'm just going to read them quick. And there are a lot more scriptures, of course, in the Bible that give us examples of prayer and give us commands to pray. But I just want to take about a dozen of them and read them real quick and just let these wash over you. Do you ever do that? Do you ever take scriptures on a subject and you don't try to Greek everything out in every verse, but you just let, let the weight of scripture from several different places wash over you? That's my intention here in reading these scriptures, if that makes sense. So in Matthew 6, verse 7, Jesus told his disciples, when you pray. In Luke 6, 12, in these days, Jesus went out to the mountain to pray. That was his example. He prayed, and all night, it says, he continued in prayer to God. So Jesus prayed. That's an important example, right? In Luke 18, 1, Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not to lose heart. In Luke 21, 36, Jesus is talking about end times in the scripture, and he says, but stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. In John 16, verses 23 and 24, Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, so that your joy may be full. 2 Thessalonians 1.11, Paul says, To this end we always pray for you. In Ephesians 1, 16-18, Paul said, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. 
in Philippians 1, 3 and 4, Paul said, I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Philippians 4, 6, we know Paul said, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. In Colossians 1, 9, Paul says, so from the day we heard about your faith and love, we have not ceased to pray for you. In Colossians 4.2, Paul said, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. 1 Timothy 1-4, we read this last week. First of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a quiet and a peaceable life in all godliness and honesty or, or dignity. This is good and it's pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved, and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And then finally, in Ephesians 6.18, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. All right, so examples of prayer, examples of Jesus praying, examples of Paul praying, exhortations and instruction to us to pray. All through the Bible, we're told to pray. It's a foundation of doing the work of the kingdom is to ask God to do it first, right? To draw near to Him and to clothe ourselves in Him, in His presence, and ask Him to do what He wants to do. Let's close in prayer here this evening. Father, we're thankful that You've been here with us, that You're always with us. Lord, our request is just that You would continue to teach us to pray, that You would continue to envision us to pray. We don't want to just know how, but we want to be motivated and passionate about prayer because we understand, we can see in your word how passionate you are about it. And it's, it's a requirement upon us, Lord. And uh, not just some kind of a legalistic thing that we have to do, but it is a, uh, an expectation that you have of your people. And you allow us to participate with you in the bringing of your kingdom into the earth through prayer. So help motivate us towards it. Stir our hearts to pray. Uh, grant us faith uh, to pray so that we know we are going to see answers. And then more faith as we see the answers to come back and to pray again. And to expand us in all things so as your kingdom is coming on the heels of our prayer. We thank you for the opportunity to do it. I thank you for all of these who are here passionate about prayer given to you for the sake of seeing your kingdom come to earth, Lord. We just pray for safety and uh, health, life, yes, in Jesus' name.